Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. It's Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. Episode 43 continues Oscar's conversation with college basketball writer Dick Hoopsweiss. For this episode, Oscar picked Hoops' brain about some of the legendary coaches in college basketball, past and present. Which coach was referred to as the Bear? Which coach belongs in the Hall of Fame? And who was, according to Hoops, the NCAA's worst nightmare? Who asked Hoops if he thought he made the right decision? And who knows the business of basketball better than anybody? Who does Hoops consider an American original? And who was once the coach that had no fear of Kentucky? And, of course, we'll get Hoops' comments on the past Kentucky coaches and the current coach, John Calipari. 72 coaches in about 36 minutes. You're going to learn something. I'm Bo Robinson, and welcome to part two of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's, as he continues his conversation with Hoops Weiss. I'm going, I've got a fairly long list of names here, <laughs> but you are the expert, and there's nobody close to you, Hoops. Just give me a couple words. If you want to expand on one, you can, if you don't, fine. I'm going to give you some names of coaches that everybody will recognize over the past 30, 35, 40 years. Just your thought. In, in, in random, some of them will be from the 50s, some will be re- recently. If there's somebody I don't mention and you want to bring them up, welcome to add it in. But I'll start out with Frank McGuire. Uh, the, the master of working the room, uh, the ultimate uh, best-dressed coach, in the country and the ultimate politician in New York, his ability to create a pipeline for New York City Catholic League kids to go down and play in both North Carolina and South Carolina is unparalleled. Jim Calhoun. Built a program from scratch, has three national championships, was the one coach that was never afraid of Duke. his kids played hard all the time, and I think that he's one of those coaches where people who take the next – it's hard. It's going to be hard to find a replacement for him. I know Kevin Alley is there right now, but uh, I don't – I think Jim set a standard. There was another very good coach at, at, at Connecticut back in the 70s, D. Rowe, but they played in the Yankee Conference. Jim took a team that was middle of the pack in the uh, in at best maybe even lower tier in a, a talented Big East and turned it into a national contender. Brett Stevens. You know, I wish he'd stayed in college. He is uh, as fine a person as I know. 
he is one of the few people that I know that was, has been able to make the jump from college to pros with success. Jerry Tarkanian. I loved his work ethic. I loved the fact that if he could, he'd practice six hours a day. Uh, and I love the fact that his numbers were always high. Uh, was probably the NCAA's worst nightmare when he coached at Vegas. Rick Majerus. One of my favorite people. Uh, I wish he was still around. I think that he was a purist in every sense of the way in terms of the way he taught the game only cared about basketball. I think to this day, if he hadn't had the problem with Carolina uh, in the semifinals, he might have beaten Kentucky and won the national championship. Ronnie Massimino. Was great before the shot clock and before the three. Had his best seasons uh, from 78 through 88, but got to six Elite Eights and won a national championship. Uh, I, I think coaching six nearly perfect games. Gary Williams. We've been friends since uh, he was a high school coach at, over in Camden, New Jersey at Woodrow Wilson High. He paid his dues, worked with Tom Davis at Lafayette as an assistant, built uh, I mean, worked his way up through BC, had success after Tom left, and had some, some success at Ohio State, but created uh, the great Maryland-Duke rivalry when he went to Maryland and won a national championship Is in the Hall of Fame. Terry, Ted Owens. Uh, I remember his team in 71 with Dave Robish getting to the Final Four. Um, I think I wish he didn't have to leave. I wish he hadn't tried to come back at a smaller level. Larry Brown. Maybe the best. He's addicted to the game. Maybe the best pure teacher of the game in the post-Dean Smith era. Bill Self. I think he's won everywhere he's been. And uh, uh, he's, had, he's had a lot of seasons that have ended short of the mark where he could have been in the Final Four and didn't quite get there. But to win 13 straight Big 12 championships is unbelievable. George Ireland. Boy, I love that team, that Loyola team. I mean, you know, because no one thought that Cincinnati was beatable that year. And he took kids from Chattanooga and New York. He was kind of like he was kind of like Haskins before Haskins in terms of the way he put together a team of players who thrived in an urban school environment. I mean, Loyola's never going to win a national championship again. He did. Dan Haskins. Uh, Don Haskins. Don, I mean. Uh, the Bear. I mean, I can see why Knight liked him. He was the same person. And he set uh, 
a standard with an all-black team in 66 when they won the national championship. Uh, I think a lot of people give him a lot of credit, and a lot of people forget that George Ireland won with four black players. Uh, not that, I mean, two or three years prior to that. Dicker Phelps. Got the man with the carnation. He, you know, he knew how to drum up uh, interest in his program. I think back in the 70s, he got to one Final Four. He had teams that were probably good enough to get to at least three or four more. I mean, he had, he had exceptional players, and he really did a great job recruiting uh, the East Coast and bringing players out to the Midwest and creating uh, a national program. Bruce Sparrow. You know, has, is in John is in John Calipari's head. <laughs> Bo Ryan. Uh, you know, had a personal issue that probably has prevented him from getting into the Hall of Fame. But the idea of the fact he's never he never finished below fourth in the Big Ten and went to fourteen straight. NCAA tournaments and is a very free for a guy who grew up and played small college basketball for his high school coach. He and play and, and learned how to play under his father. He was as fundamentally sound as any coach there was in his last few years. Clem Haskins. Uh, when I think of him, I think of what it would have been like if he'd gone to Kentucky. Um, and I wonder how good those Western Kentucky teams were back in the late 60s that never really got the opportunity. They got to one Final Four. But I, he was the first big star I ever saw in college basketball. I went to the Plester, it was the first date with my wife, and they played LaSalle. And he was at he was at Western Kentucky, and he lit him up for twenty six. <laughs> Mike Bray, a really nice man who happens to coach college basketball. I mean, I love the fact that this year he's gone through a difficult situation because he lost his best player, and he hasn't had a always had his point guard healthy, but. Uh, uh, could have won the national championship if they'd beaten Kentucky in 15. I honestly believe that he would have been the first Notre Dame coach to do that. But he always had – I mean, last year they were really good in the in the ACC. They have always been good in the ACC tournament. Uh, and he does it without a number of McDonald's All-Americans. They don't have – if he had Digger's uh, – the amount of McDonald's All-Americans that Digger had – who knows how good they could have been. Denny Crum. Um, you know, it will always be the great adversary for Kentucky basketball. I give him a lot of credit for pushing to get that game played and for having so much success in the early 80s. I mean, he won in 86 and... Uh, with a freshman, Purvis Ellison, who had 25 against Duke in the final 
and uh, a bunch of kids from Camden who I actually saw play in high school. Um, you know, played wide open style and played entertaining basketball and really had control for the longest period of time of Jefferson County. Ed Jecker. I think that he was Cincinnati basketball. He had Oscar. Oscar obviously has the statue. Junker was the coach for Cincinnati basketball. I mean, and they and I think when I think of him, I think of the Missouri Valley and just how good the league was back in the days, and how teams like Bradley, who could never get in the NCAA tournament, might have won it a couple of years. And I think that that Cincinnati team really was one of the first teams that recognized the ability of the black player. I mean, getting Oscar to go there uh, after his uh, high school career at Christmas Addicts, I mean, changed the way people viewed that entire program. Suddenly they weren't just another school in the shadow of Kentucky. Branch McCracken. Uh, you know, it's, it's one, one championship, uh, had Clyde Lavellet, uh, in the early, in the early fifties was kind of the precursor of night, but they never, I mean, I mean, was always competitive, all typical winning with Indiana kids, but, uh, it's hard for me to think of Indiana without thinking of one person. Bob Knight, I'll give it to you now. Yeah, he. Uh, you might not like him, but boy, you had to appreciate the way he coached basketball. I mean, uh, when he, I mean, he won in the he won in when he won in in in, in eighty seven, and he won in seventy six, and then won with Isaiah in eighty one. They were all great coaching jobs. I mean, he went unbeaten the one year. He won with a team that no one thought would get to the Final Four when Isaiah was a sophomore. And then he won with two junior college kids in 87. I mean, he could, I mean, his, but it was his way or the highway. Judd I think a great storyteller, a good sense of humor, and was a great role model for for Tom Izzo before he got there. Norm Stewart. Uh, you know, a guy who was always on the other end of the uh, of the Kansas rivalry. Rick Barnes. I think a very underrated coach. I think that I think that you don't know what you have until you lose it. I think when Texas let him go because he couldn't, they didn't think he'd get past the first round. He's gone over to Tennessee with a team that was picked to finish 13th this year and has him in the top 20. Guy can coach. Lou Olson. Changed the way people viewed basketball in Arizona. When he came there, the program was had 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 players what but was decimated and he built it up to being a national contender from the late 80s through 2002 Tom Crane 
is a guy who never played but was a student of the game. I think when I think of him, I th- it's hard not to think of the Harbaugh brothers. And I think he has a lot of that in his soul. Tommy is out. Personal friend, and I am very concerned about what, what he's going through right now. Gene Bartow. Just a good guy. I wish he'd never gone to UCLA. I wish he'd never left in Memphis. He was, he was just a decent guy who really kind of understood that city and was willing to work with it. I never liked the fit at, at Illinois, and I definitely never liked the fit at UCLA. Gary Cunningham. He's become a friend. We're on the uh, honors committee for the college. Uh, basketball Hall of Fame uh, still lives out in Santa Barbara had a lot to do with UCLA success back in the in, in the 60s um, you know the, the, those assistant coaches were pretty resourceful and he was a very he was a very principled fundamentally sound guy 87 if I had my druthers I would have put him in the Hall of Fame Bob Huggins. He will be in the Hall of Fame down the road. I just want to make sure that he takes care of himself. John Beeline. You know, there are there are great teachers in the game. Uh, and John started from the bottom at LeMoyne. I mean, his West Virginia teams in the Big East never had a, a great player. I mean, he could have very easily won in 13 against against Louisville. Uh, they will always be a factor in the Big Ten as long as he's coaching there at Michigan. Greg Marshall. I think that I, I'm, I'm always amazed he is where he is. He could have left multiple times for Wichita State, but he has what he wants out there. They pay him the right money. He plays in front of sellout houses, and his teams run beautiful offense. Joe B. Hall. You know, probably I was happy he won in 78 because he was walking in big footsteps from the time he got the job and never really got the credit he deserved for building the program and maintaining the program over a long period of time. Bob Boyd. You know, had the misfortune of playing in the same conference as UCLA back in the 60s, uh, or or if he was in any other conference, he probably would have been in the NCAA tournament multiple times. Dana Kirk. I think that uh, he had some demons he had to deal with even when he got to the Final Four. Al McGuire. An American original. We, I mean, the man, the man who loved toy soldiers, the man who always had a saying for everything, and the man who understood how to how to build teams with players from the inner city who loved him. He was a New Yorker through and through. Lon Kruger. I think a really solid coach uh, who I think did it, may have done his best work at UNLV. And 
uh, is doing a sensational job with a young freshman point guard, Trey Young, this year at Oklahoma. Shake a smart. It hasn't happened for him yet at Texas. It happened at VCU. I, everybody thought he was the next great young coach, he and Brad Stevens. Brad left for the NBA. Shock is still finding his way at, at Texas. The fact that he has Mo Bamba this year might be enough to get him in the tournament and kickstart the program. Toby Smith. You know, he's a nice guy, just a really nice guy. He had the misfortune of being of winning a tournament his first year there, and it was it was never going to get any better at this program because the the expectations at Kentucky will, will always surpass anything you think of. Billy Donovan. I think he is a terrific young coach. I thought he was, he did a sensational job at Florida. He is a true Rick Patino disciple in every way, shape, and form. Uh, toyed with the idea of going to uh, the NBA once, actually took the Orlando Magic job, right? And uh, I was at the press conference, believe it or not. Orlando, and afterwards he came up to me and he said to me, do you think I made the right decision? I know he'd be back in Florida the next day. Jim Herrick. You know, I, I, I think that I like the fact that he built the program. I didn't like the fact that he took some shortcuts that got him in trouble. Kevin Sampson. I think he's a really good coach who was stuck now in a program where um, it's gonna it's always gonna be a struggle to get to the NCAA. Jay Wright. Uh, he's a personal friend, so that's hard for me to evaluate. Uh, I think he knows the business of basketball as well as anybody. And he certainly knows how to dress. He is, he he's on that best dress list. DePaul's Ray Meyer. The old man, you know, it's funny. He had his ups and he had his downs. I mean, in 71, they were ready to fold the program. I mean, 10 years later, he has all of these great kids from, uh, he's got a grandfatherly image and he's got Mark Aguirre and Terry Cunningham. Cummings and all these kids from Chicago playing for him. They were number one more than once, and they lost in the first round more than once. Hugh Durham. I think that he surprised me with the way he took apart North Carolina in the 1972 Final Four at the L.A. Sports Arena. I mean, he had some freak athletes down there that, and really gave Florida State a basket, what basketball reputation it has. Lou Carnesecca. He's New York. <laughs> he is. I mean, and you know, he's, seven, he's 93 years old now. He's, I mean, he's, he's starting to finally look his age, but he will always be a beloved figure in that city. Bill Raftery. 
he should he, he should never retire. He should just he should just do what he does because <laughs> everybody loves him. Onions. <laughs> Ray Mears. Had no fear of Kentucky, I'll tell you that much. And especially when he had the uh, Ernie and Bernie show. I mean, changed the way people viewed Kentucky basketball. He and Stu Aberdeen. And uh, uh, was in a situation where he was the one school that Kentucky had to work hard to beat. George Rambling. The ultimate pioneer. I. Everybody still talks about the fact that he was Martin Luther King's bodyguard and then got the I Have a Dream speech, which he has locked away for safekeeping. Uh, I think that that's who he is. He was a pioneer. He was the uh, one of the first black assistants. He was one of the first black head coaches. He was one of the first black uh, uh, corporate executives with Nike. He has been a trailblazer his entire life. Terry Holland. I mean, a solid coach who actually got to a Final Four without Ralph Sampson in 1984. That will always... And beat Bob Knight in the uh, Eastern Regional Finals in Atlanta. I mean, to me, that's probably his greatest job and still is contributing to college athletics. Fred Taylor. You know, he probably still hates Cincinnati. <laughs> he, had, he had the best team three straight years and won it once. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that there were any players better than Lucas and Havlicek when he uh, was uh, was coaching college basketball. Dale Brown. He's probably somewhere in Tibet looking for uh, the Yeti. Nick Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, well, uh, he, he once called me at night and wanted me to go with him to recruit Sabonis to play for UCLA. I mean, for uh, LSU. Two o'clock in the morning, I get this phone call. I want you to take a trip with me. And he was going to try to recruit Sabonis. But that's who he was. He was, talk about thinking outside the box. (laughs) Richard Williams. I was always amazed that one of his players got 31 credits in summer school. <laughs> Jim Valvano. I think his legacy will be bigger than in death than it is in life for all the things that he did for uh, to raise money for cancer research. Even though he did have the one great scene they constantly replay where he's running around looking for somebody to hug after they beat Houston. Norm Sloan. Uh, I never knew why he left for Florida. Uh, you know, uh, the second time around. I mean, he had it going at NC State, but I guess like everyone else, you get beat up when you constantly have to play against Dean Smith. Although he did win the one year. 
he was willing to do what he had to do to get David Thompson, and David Thompson was the best player of his generation. 2007, you and I are sitting courtside at Rupp Arena. <laughs> I, 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 I must have been lucky that day. <laughs> and Rick Pitino was coaching Louisville on what they thought were going to be a Final Four season. They were beating that day, I believe it was California or Colorado, wanted to beat them like 40. <laughs> and you turned to me in the middle of it and said, Oscar, when Tubby hangs it up here, who will they hire? When Tubby leaves, I think is what you said. And I said, well, they're not going to fire him. He'll have to leave on his own. He said, And you said, well, you know this guy, John Calipari at Memphis, is dying to get this job. He's got a plan. But it's got to be at a blue blood school. He can't do it at Memphis. He can't do it at UMass. But he could at Kentucky or North Carolina. And he or has. Kansas. And none be known to us at that time. A week later, he leaves town for Minnesota. <laughs> and Kentucky turns to the guy I'm going to ask you about now, Billy Clyde Gillespie, who had beaten Rick the two days later and knocked him out of the tournament. Yeah. I uh, I don't know that some people are good fits if they can't work in a fish bubble. It's too hard. This this job is too hard if you can't deal with the pressure of being out there all the time and everybody looking and knowing exactly what you do all the time. I wish he had been a little bit easier on his players. Uh, when he was here, I don't. I think that you don't know what the Kentucky job is like until you experience it, and I think it takes a special person to be able to do this job and do it effectively. Sonny Smith. You know what? If you're looking for an after dinner speaker, <laughs> I got one for you. <laughs> Wimp Sanderson. I think that uh, I like the fact that he was able to continue success at Alabama after CM left to come to get into administration and had been there for a long time. Nolan Richardson. We were friends. He went through a terrible time when he first got to Arkansas because of the bigotry down there but fought his way through it and actually won a national championship. Steve Fisher. Talk about a guy who got a break. I mean, I still remember 1989, he's the assistant coach, and Bo Beckler walks in and, uh, and, and, and says to Bill Frieder, who was in the process of taking the Arizona State job, we're going to have a Michigan man coach Michigan. He gave Steve Fisher the chance to coach, and he put together six sensational games, and he ended up beating um, Seton Hall and a friend of mine, P.J. Carlissimo, on a couple three throws at the end of, uh, of the game, and people at Seton Hall still cursed John Clockerty. <laughs> Who's a friend of mine too? Who's a referee or was? Yeah, was a was a referee. Jim Beheim. You know, 
everybody talks about him whining, but I also think he is a highly intelligent guy who really understands the game and figured out how to use the zone to its biggest success. John Thompson. Um, gave Georgetown a national profile and was probably the only person who could have recruited Patrick Ewing and get the most out of him. Rick Pitino. I think he is one of the 10 best coaches of all time. I know when he left and then came back and coached Louisville, there was a lot of backlash. But when he was at Kentucky, you take a look at him, you take a look at the assistants he recruited, you take a look at how much better all the players that played for him got, you have to appreciate the fact this guy took a program that was at the bottom and turned it into a perennial Final Four contender. And frankly, had he stayed, he might have been Mike Krzyzewski. Roy Williams. Always thought he got in the Hall of Fame a little bit too early, but uh, has won two national championships since then. Uh, and... Uh, I don't. Th I think it's hard not being Dean Smith. I think there's certain programs where it's difficult. I think that Roy Williams had built his own reputation at Kansas. Uh, it turned them into one of those special programs in the Midwest. I think he really had second thoughts when he first took the job, but he did it out of loyalty to Coach Smith. And the program, because that the, because he get because Dean gave him his first shot, and turned around and gave him two national championships. John, John Wooden. I like the fact that he taught. I like the way he taught the game. I uh, uh, my vision of him. I I spent his ninetieth when he was ninety. I spent a day with him. And you walked into his uh, apartment, and it was like walking into a museum. It was filled with things, and the only thing that hadn't changed was the bedroom where his wife used to sleep. He never changed it. Uh, but still could quote poetry, even that had a razor-sharp mind about everything. And uh, when... In the 60s, like, I'm not sure if he invented the full-court zone press, but he certainly used it to his advantage. And I love the fact that he won with, 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 with big teams, with small teams, and he always won when he had the best team with the exception of 74. Coach K. Most people think... Uh, most internationally, most people only know one name in college basketball because he coached three Olympic teams to gold medals, has five national championships, and probably will make a couple more runs before he leaves. Over a thousand wins, uh, and you know, there's a guy that his third year they were ready to fire. 
pretty amazing. I mean, the Iron Dukes were ready to get rid of him. And I always give Tom Butters credit for the fact he stuck with him. And his career took off after 86 when he had Johnny Dawkins to get the Final Four. Hasn't stopped going since. Adolph Rupp. He really understood what it meant to be successful in basketball in a football country. I mean, really kind of under, I mean, really loved basketball to a point where he took enormous pride in the way his team played. I think he could have won a championship in 54 had those two kids, Hagen, been eligible. Hagen Ramsey. Yeah, they had been eligible. Uh, and that and that was the Tom Gola team that did win. Uh, but, you know, was able to – probably did his most damage in the 40s and, 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 and 50s, I thought. Did a sensational job in 58. Probably took too much of the fault in 66 when they lost to uh, – to Texas uh, Western, uh, but uh, was the face of Kentucky basketball for a long time. Dean Smith. You know, I always remember about Dean Smith is the fact he helped integrate Chapel Hill with a minister down there at a lunch counter. He, he was a social activist as well as a basketball coach, and I always admired that. Mike White. He will eventually be the best coach in the SEC once John steps down. John Calipari. Always finding new ways to reinvent himself. Always finding new ways to... uh, get the most out of young players who come in with great reputations but need to be taught the game. I think that he does as good a job with freshmen as anybody maybe in the history of the game. Have I missed anybody? (laughs) No, I think this is great. (laughs) Have I missed anybody? Well, I don't know. For more with Hoops Weiss, you can take a listen to episode 42 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. Episode 44 concludes this three-part series with Hoops, and that will be released soon. To follow Dick Weiss on Twitter, he's at Hoops Weiss. And for the latest happenings with the Big Blue and then some, follow Oscar on Twitter. He's at Wildcat News. OscarCombs.com is where you can find the complete collection of Oscar's interviews, including Terry Mobley, Kenny Walker, Leroy Bird, Terry Mills, and Billy Ray Lickert. And make sure you subscribe to Conversations through your mobile device so you are guaranteed never to miss an episode. You can subscribe via iTunes or the Google Play Store. Just search for at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson thanking you for listening to Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's. And as always, go Big Blue.